Well, we too want to welcome all of you here today on Valentine's Day. And uh, you in the venue, you online. Pastor Rick is on a vacation. He well deserves it. And we're going to continue as we uh, think about the series that he has been going through about the Bible, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible. We're going to continue that. But um, how's Valentine's Day going through all, for all of you? Pretty good? My wife was seated here in the last service, and I had this poem all memorized to, to tell her. And I says, Heidi, I love you. I love you now. I love you still. I always, and then I forgot it. And uh, so that's probably going to cost me a half a ton of C's candy. But uh, that's fine. So dads, uh, men, if you ever got something memorized, make sure you got it down. I was embarrassed. That was terrible. So we're going to be uh, following his theme on the Bible. But I would like to, if you have your Bibles with you today, open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. <clears throat> and we will be reading the first six, uh, seven verses there. And we're going to be using this as a, a background or a springboard as we talk about the Bibles. Uh, I believe the war has been declared on our Bibles and our homes. And I'm going to use this as a background for our message today. Deuteronomy 6. <clears throat> Before I read it, um, Christ was a rabbi. The Bible says that. In fact, they call him one place, they call him an authoritative rabbi because he was a rabbi that spoke with authority. If you are a rabbi, you have to know the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, by heart. If you're an authoritative rabbi, and there's a few of them even in uh, Israel today and some here in America, an authoritative rabbi, you know from Joshua to Malachi too. So our Savior, I want you to imagine that as we read this little portion of Deuteronomy, Jesus, all God, all man, knew this by heart. And we read. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe. In the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And I will guarantee you by the authority of God's word, Joseph and Mary did this with Jesus. And as he learned in the synagogues and he began to know this Bible by heart, at least the Old Testament, he is the living word. Amen. And I think that as he was looking at this and as he shared this with others even, this is applicable for us today. 
You can read in this last verse, and I don't think I'm doing injustice to do this. Impress upon your children with your Bibles. Talk with them about your Bibles when you sit at home. Use the Bibles when you walk along the road and you're learning lessons in life. And it doesn't matter when you're lying down, sitting, walking, rising up. Have your Bibles in your homes. And I think Rick has been emphasizing that in every message. Well, well, well. We've got quiz time. Yes, we have to do quiz time. So we're gonna go as a reminder. Uh, let's uh, do the first one. What are the first five books of the Old Testament? If you remember them, say them with me. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Wow, that is good. Now we just said the books. I believe Christ knew them by heart. Next question, what are the first five books of the New Testament? Let's say them together. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Somebody the other day said Matthew, Mark, Luther. It's not Luther, <laughs> it's Luke. Next one, question, who buried the body of Moses? Man, your folks are fast. God buried the body of Moses. You can read about that, I encourage you. That's the 34th chapter, I believe, in Deuteronomy. And God came, and, and Moses was 120 years old, and it says he was just like he was still a young man in his body, but God said it's time to go home. And he hid his body in the valley of Moab somewhere, and people's probably still trying to find it. <clears throat> okay, next question. How many books are in the Old Testament and how many books are in the New Testament? How many in the old? 39. How many in the new? 27. Add them together, it is 66 books in the Bible. Awesome. Now here's one that maybe you haven't thought about. How many chapters are in our Bibles? How many chapters in our Bibles? There are 1,189 chapters. Wow. Now, if you've got a phone and you're Googling it right now, it's gonna say 1,186. Don't believe that. There's 1,189. Because some of the chapters, they've combined them and said they're so close, there's 1,186. Nope, 1,189. Okay. And by the way, just as a side note, how many men are mentioned in the Bible? 1,189. I don't know why that, there's so many begats. If you look at all those begat, 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 can't pronounce 90% of them. <laughs> but there's 1,189 men mentioned in the Bible, and I'm not gonna tell you how many women, but 188. <laughs> and that don't mean anything, so. Okay, here's time for prizes. Oh, where's my runner? I need a runner. Oh, this guy has been practicing and he is so good. He is so shape, in shape. I think we're gonna send him back to the Boston Marathon. Yeah, all expenses paid. And all you gotta do is take one of these as you're running and it just reminds you. So, so what we're gonna do, I've got two questions. 
Here's the first one. And if I ask the question and you answer it out loud, you don't get this. You've got to do this. It's called raising your hand. And then this guy, Tim, he's got eagle eyes. I can't even see the first row. I can't even see, I can't even see my notes. So he's going to look out there and whenever I ask the question, he sees somebody answer with their hand raised, not out loud, then he will dart. And I want you to go right off the stage, whatever's a question. Yeah. Here's the question. The first miracle that Jesus performed was what? Right there. Water into wine. That's it. Run. And by the way, raise your hands. How many knew that? That's awesome. That's awesome. By the way, he did 38 miracles. And the one that he performed, the first one, I think he did that in honor of his family. Jesus had six brothers and sisters, at least two sisters. And Mary was in charge of the wedding. So he was probably at his sister's wedding. So it's kind of neat. Okay, here's God's word made plain here. This is for the next question. Raise your hand. If you answer it out loud, you're not getting it. Okay. Ready? Whose wife turned into a pillar of salt? I saw right here first. Spell it. (laughs) That is really good. And here's a freebie. You don't, um, that's, and by the way, I looked through that book. That's a good book. Uh, what animal is mentioned, no prizes here. What animal is mentioned both in the New and the Old Testament more than any animal? Anybody? Nope, not a lion. Not a lamb. Not an aardvark. Not a donkey. Sheep. And I know it's kind of like a lamb, but a sheep is mentioned over 500 times. And by the way, we are like sheep. We're dumb. That's what the Bible says. So, And I do believe, as Rick has been going through this series, that uh, the Word of God is, is an incredible subject. It is our life. And I think it has brought revival to this church. I really do. More people, he's talked that people are reading their Bibles more, they're emailing him. And I used to think that revival is when people get saved. That's not revival, that's evangelism. Revival is when saved people have a renewed passion to grow in the Lord. And I got a question for you today. If the highest point of your Christian walk is but a faint memory, then you need revival. It's something new. It's a passion that we keep every day. And the Bible says, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In your wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk was living in a time when there was no passion for the Lord anymore. And we see it on the American landscape, even in Christianity today. But I do believe there's a revival because of this book. And we have always been a people of the book. Christians have always been a people of the book. 
We learn God through the book. We learn Jesus Christ through the book. You learn about the death, the burial, the resurrection of our Savior through the book. You learn about the miracles through the book. You learn how to live right through the book. You know that when the book is in your life, you will be transformed by the book. The law of the Lord is perfect, this book converting our souls. And you can go on and on. We have always been a people of the book. So if we are, then why were we put here? What is the purpose for us being here? And we find that answer to glorify God and enjoy him. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. We were created to bring him glory. And it's only through the book that you're ever gonna be equipped, enriched, and empowered to give God the glory. We're gonna have three questions that I'm gonna be asking today in our text. My first question I'm gonna be asking is, what does God see in our homes? And you that are watching online and you're having your coffee, I want you to get your Bible next to you, and if you have it in your lap, you get it out, and I want you to follow along, because you're in your home right now. And that's one of the questions we're gonna have. What does God see right now in your home? Do you have a Bible right next to you right now in your home? Second question is, is what can we have in our homes that guarantees its safety, spiritually speaking? Third question, as a soldier, how can I fight the good fight for home and family? Those are the three questions we're gonna be looking at, uh, at this morning. But before we do that, I want to create a supposition. I want you to imagine with me this scene. <clears throat> we're gonna go back in time 48 years. The year is 1968. I want you to put yourself in this equation. You're 18 years old. It's 1968. You have a car, brand new. You have a girlfriend, lovely. You have a job, that's great. You graduated the top of your class in high school. You've got the whole world ahead of you. But because of a few Weird circumstances, your license is unusable. Your girlfriend is nothing more than a picture in your wallet. Your job is on hold. And you are 7,354 miles from Modesto. You're in Vietnam. And I will add to that, you're not only in Vietnam at 18 years of age, but you have been chosen by your commander that you are the point man of your group of 12 men. You're the point man. You're the one in charge of these 12 men. You're out there in a rice paddy in Vietnam in 1968. And with that, all of a sudden, you feel a bullet slicing through your shoulder and one bullet rips through your thigh and you go down and you're laying there in the mud. You're outgunned, you're outmanned, you're in an ambush and you may die. 
And as you lay there, the point man, being in charge of these 12 men, you look to your right and your best friend is dead. You look to your left and three more of your buddies are not gonna make it another few minutes. And this question goes through your mind. Am I gonna die here in Vietnam? And the choices that you make as a point man, with that radio right next to you, the choices that you make in the next two minutes will decide whether you make it out alive or whether they pick up the dog tags around your neck in the next couple days. A choice that you're gonna make. And I want us to come back to February 14th which happens to be today. And I want you to think about your home. And I want you to think about your life. And fathers and mothers, you're the point men. And single dads, you're the point men if you have children. And single moms with no father, you're the point men. And grandfathers and grandmothers that are doing a part of helping raise your children and your grandchildren, you're the point men. And the decisions you're making every day in this life in 2016 will make the difference of whether you go on the casualty list because Satan is going to do everything he can to bring you into captivity. So let's consider the questions. What does God see in your home right now? Bible says in Isaiah 39 and four, what have they seen in your palace or your home, one version says. I want you to imagine that your home, when you go home today, is gonna be a home that has glass walls. Not only glass walls, but it is amplified that everybody that walks by your home can see everything in it and they can hear everything that's going on. What would we see in your homes? By the way, God does see. What's going on there? If I would follow you home today, would I see a haven of rest? Would I see a place of safety and peace and harmony? Would I see love? Would I see fathers and mothers that just are propelling Christ? Or would I see a place that'll look like if you tramp on the wrong landmine, you're gonna be blown apart? Or would it look like a bunch of hive nests and, and stinging bees everywhere. What do they see in your homes? Deuteronomy chapter six says, do what is right and good in the Lord's sight so that it may go well with you and you may go in and take over the good land the Lord promised an oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all of your enemies before you as the Lord said. Let me <clears throat> just paint a couple brush strokes of what the casualty list looks like here in America. This is a place with no Bibles, or if there is a Bible, there is no emphasis on obeying it or reading it in the hearts and the minds of everybody in the home. This evening, by tonight, 657,000 girls 
are going to practice prostitution in the streets of this great nation because they came from broken homes. 1.8 million girls are going to be pregnant out of wedlock this year. 65% of them will kill their children. 69% of all church-going teenagers in this country are sexually active in high school. During this service, in the next 45 minutes, 60 teenagers in America will attempt to take their life and the majority will succeed. The most dangerous place to be in the United States of America right now apart from a, a riot or a war, is in the American home. Most dangerous place to be. A father in Connecticut takes a newborn baby from his wife and happens to trip and drop this little baby in the delivery room and the baby dies. And he's being held for murder. 75 feet away, 75 feet away in another building Seven children are being sucked out of their mother's womb and all of America cheers. Nearly 60 million babies were murdered in this nation since 1973. That's 10 times the atrocity of Hitler. But you can take that coin and you can flip that coin, hallelujah, and you look on the other side of that coin where there is Bible in their homes, where there is the emphasis of the point man that are in charge of children and whatever goes on in that home. And this is what we see in these kind of homes. A home where Bible is a priority, 95% of the children in these homes say that their parents tell them that they love them every single day. Fathers and mothers, are you doing that? That's the encouragement of Ephesians 5. 91% say that there is fun and laughter in the home. They have a great time. Are you laughing in your homes? By the way, that's what the Bible says in Proverbs 17, that the merry heart does good like a medicine. Is there laughter in your homes? If you don't laugh, you're gonna end up taking medicine. Why not get it free? Every time we laugh, you release an endorphin. That's free medicine. God built us that way. I read a statistic that 1950s, the average home would laugh about 30 times a day. Today, once. No laughter, medicine. 94% say that their parents are really involved in all of their activities. They're proud of them. They tell them that. That's exactly what the Bible says. Titus 2. 97% say that the word of God is read in their homes nearly every day, usually around the family table. That is a point man, a family that is following what we read in De Deuteronomy 6. Open Bible. 100% say that their parents go to church and they take them to church and they enjoy the activities of that church. 100%. There is a point man that opened the word of God 
read Hebrews chapter 10, looked at verse 25, and he says, I'm gonna obey this. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together so much more as you see the day approaching. Fathers and mothers, it's in the word of God that we are to be in the body of Christ and worship. There are some countries, Christians will walk five to six hours every Sunday to go to church. And we complain about what? You see the difference? You've got a casualty list with no Bibles. You've got a, the other side of that coin where the point man is willing to take the word of God, not only, op- not only open it, not only read it, but apply it and obey it so that the children can see that it's not a joke, it's not fake. It's really in daddy and mama. Does that make them perfect? No. But they know that they're perfectly forgiven because they're in Christ and they're doing everything they can to glorify him. Fathers and mothers, we have been appointed as the point men. And we are the ones with the choices that we make that determines whether there's enjoyment and safety as we look into our homes. This is a reality that we face. And the devil's gonna do everything he can to sever you from anything that will enable you to glorify God. He wants to sever me from this Bible. He wants to sever me in my relationship with my wife. He wants to sever me with my relationship with my children. He'll do anything he can to sever me in my relationship with you. Because he knows when that happens and I get away from the word and away from my family, he's got me right where he wants and I go down. Jesus says, without me, you can't do anything and I believe it. Question number two, what can we have in our homes (coughs) that will guarantee its safety? And I read in 2 Peter 1 and 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Wow. Why don't you mark that one down and memorize it? He, his divine power has given us, dads, moms, everything we need for a godly life through our what? Our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. I've got everything I need. Of the knowledge of him, and how do I get that as I open the word of God? It's the only way it's gonna come. The Holy Spirit is only gonna work with what you know in the word. You're not gonna wake up tomorrow morning and quote Psalm 119. Why? Because you never read it and memorized it. Now you don't have to memorize the whole Bible, but the more you have the intake of the word, it's gonna be a part of your life and it will transform you. But if you don't know anything, the Holy Spirit is not gonna, he only works with what you know. And the Holy Spirit is very good at what he does. He's God. So I wanna give you a couple practical things as you think about living in safety. Number one, walk with them, your family, in the word. With the word in hand. Walk with them, your family. You know what? I'm wrong there. A deep and abiding, I like this one better. A deep and abiding love for God's word. I'm back on track. You want to have safety and security in your home? Then you have a deep and abiding love for this Bible. 
The Bible says that in Matthew 6 and 33. If you seek his kingdom first, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Jeremiah puts it like this. When your words came, I ate them, and they were my joy and my delight. That question comes for all of us. It doesn't matter if you're a father or a mother. If you're a believer today and you're wanting to glorify God, do you have a deep abiding love for your Bible and the Word of God? Number two, a love for your wife, your husband, your children. Bible says in Ephesians 5, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Rick has been preaching this about having a self-sacrificing love for each other. Do we have it? <clears throat> and then a love that is willing to die for them as a point man, as a point man, and you lead your families. Do you have a love that is willing to die for your family? Would you die for your wife or your husband right now? Or would you like to see him dead? <laughs> That's sad, isn't it? Would you be willing to die for your children right now? I'm gonna give you something harder than that. Would you be willing to live for them? It's one thing for me to stand up here and say, I'll die for Heidi. Bang, I'm dead. Well, that's neat. I loved her. But am I willing to live for my wife every single day? Are you willing to live for them? Number four, a love that remembers your calling. The Bible says in Ephesians that we are to walk worthy of the, of the calling wherewith you were called. Do you know what your calling is today? If you're a policeman here today, you know what your calling is. You're to uphold the law. If you're a doctor, you know what your calling is. To practice medicine, to bring health to an individual. If you're a farmer here today, you know what your calling is. If you're a carpenter, you know what your calling is. You're a Christian. What's your calling? The Bible says to walk worthy of it. And in that same passage, it says to be what? Be humble, be gentle, be patient. It goes on. We're to live to glorify him with the deeds done in our body and our calling is to glorify him and we do that with our words and our works. What's our works? I'll give you 40. Romans chapter 12, Titus chapter two, 2 Timothy two. You read them, you'll look the rest of your life. You're gonna be a really neat person. But you gotta live it. And the last one here, a love that responds every day to the commandment of the Bible. The commandment of the word of the God is to love the Lord with all of your heart and to love others, love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm gonna give another one in there. There are some things that we think, well, that's in the buffet line. I like that one, I like that one. No, this is not one that's in the buffet line. The Bible says that you and I, as point men, are to renew the inner man day by day. How do I renew the inner man? I take my Bible and I read. The Bible is alive and is spiritual. And as I read the Bible, Ephesians 4, I will strengthen and renew the inner man day by day. Every day. Question number three. 
As a soldier, how can I fight the good fight for home and family? <clears throat> First Timothy chapter six reads, but you, point man, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. I talked to my son yesterday, and, and he's in Nellis Air Force Base. He's a major down there. And he was telling me that they have a commander's call once a month on base. There's about 11,000 personnel on, at Nellis Air Force Base. And he says when the commander of the base makes a commander's call, it's about once a month, he'll get most of the people that are in places of leadership <clears throat> to come in. And he said, it's more than a pep talk. It's more than a challenge. It's more than trying to focus. He says, the majority of a commander's call is a reminder. A reminder. You know what you're supposed to be doing, you men, you women. I'm just reminding you to keep doing it. Did you know the book of Deuteronomy is the same thing? Same thing. Reminding them, reminding them. Don't forget, don't forget, you know your calling. Listen to Deuteronomy 25. Listen to his words as he speaks. Remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came up out of Egypt? When you were weary and wore out, they met you on your journey and attacked all of who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. Don't forget about that. He's reminding them there's gonna be times in your life that you're gonna have a tendency and I'm gonna have a tendency to lag behind. You lag behind, you forget him. You forget him, you forfeit blessing. You forget him, you forfeit fellowship. You forget him and you wander off and the enemy has a heyday. And sad to say there's way too many point men today and women and homes that are not doing this and they're lagging behind. You ever relate to that? The Bible says in 1 Peter that Satan goes about as a roaring lion. He is ready to pounce on anybody lagging behind. Fathers and mothers, you're lagging behind? You wonder why everything is just messed up? Maybe, just maybe, it's in direct proportion of how much you're feeding the inner man. Because my Bible, I'm gonna believe it, it says that he will lift you up. He will renew you. They that wait on the Lord in his word, he will renew them. I'm gonna believe that one. I'm gonna believe what it says in the Beatitudes that if you hunger and thirst after him, you're gonna be a happy camper. And so often we go away and we end up being like Peter. You ever relate to Peter? I do. Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, I want you to follow me, Peter. And he wanders off and he goes over to the enemy's campfire and he denies Christ. You ever been there? Or you ever been like Peter where he says, he's in a boat one day and he says, Peter, get out of the boat. I want you to come to me. How many times fathers and mothers has he told you to get out of the boat and trust him? He has me. And I get out of the boat and so often I'll get out and I'm trusting him. I realize it's real. And all of a sudden I begin to sink. It's because I forget him. 
and my eyes are not on him. And it's right back to the word. How many times have you been like Peter where he said, Peter, I want you to pray for me. He's told me that so many times, Gordon, I need you to pray. I need you to pray for your family. And I get over there and I, I'm convicted, I need to be praying. And just like Peter in, in uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, he's over here and Jesus walks away about 20 feet and Peter sacks out and sleeps. You ever been there? Or have you ever been like Peter where he says, Peter, do you really love me? You ever been there? And you don't know how to respond. You say, Lord, I, I like you like a friend. No, I, do you really love me? Do you agapeo me? Do you agape me? And how many times we go in our life because we're not in the word and we have this sloppy agape and we don't even know how to act right for him. Fathers and mothers, it doesn't say anywhere in this Bible that I have fought well enough, I have given my enough time, I have tithed enough, I have lived a good enough life, I have treated everybody nice, and it's time for me to relax, and it's time for me to just enjoy life. <laughs> doesn't say it in here. No, we're in a battle, and there's no time to cruise, there's no time to relax. And if you really want to enjoy life, it's got to be in direct proportion with him. He says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And you're not going to have it more abundantly apart from the word of God. And I know there's always going to be a temptation to lay this aside. You that are home right now, do you have a Bible next to you? What's on your table next to you wherever you're sitting? And if you're having a tall Carmel Frappuccino, which they're good, but how much time do you have the Bible? And when the service is over, are you gonna lay it aside? There is a temptation to lay the Bible aside. And the sad thing is, it's done all too often because we think we have priorities that are more important to, than fighting the good fight. Final question, how do I fight a good fight with the word? We walk with our families with the word in hand. You want me to be very specific? When I say that we walk with them, your families with the word in hand, that means in your home, in your kitchen, in your bedroom, wherever it is, family room, that you make a time that you open the word of God and you read it Get a Bible storybook, whatever you want to do, but you've got to be doing this as a point man. We used to have our children lay on the floor, they'd do a puzzle, they'd have a coloring book, and Heidi and I would read them a Bible story. They don't forget it. As they got a little older, we made it a little more challenging. But the Word of God is enjoyable. You ever read Lord of the Rings? 455,000 words in it. Big deal. This Bible has 789,000 words in its life. And you'll never figure it out. It is so awesome. Number two, walk ahead of them, setting examples from the word. As the children get a little bit older in their home, you're still the point, man. But make it a little more challenging. 
that tell them and share with them the dangers and conflicts that you have as a point man and let them see how you take the word of God and you meet these challenges in real life and your children will love it. They will love to see when you confess with them that you don't have it together. Dads, don't just say, Johnny, go read. No, read with Johnny. Johnny, you ought to be praying. Pray with Johnny. Number three, walk away from them. Now, this sounds kind of wrong, but it's not. Dads and moms, some of you are my age. I've walked away from my family. That means they're in their own foxholes. They're married now. My three children are married, and I have walked away from them, but I have not forsaken them. Don't forsake them. You walk away from them. Don't always be in their homes telling them how to live. They're now of the word of God. They should be skilled enough as point men and you encourage them and help them. One of the things that I've been doing for some years now is I send every quarter uh, an intercessory prayer to my children. Paula, did you get it the other day? Good, you better. And what I can do in these intercessory prayers as I, as to all of my children, they all see the same thing. But as I've looked at their life and I've watched them and talked to them in the last three or four months, I know maybe some things, this is I'm gonna be praying for you in this area and your children in this area and whatever. And I know it's kind of a, a way that I can preach to them, but you do it and it lets them know that you care. You can do that as a point man. And lastly, then walk behind them with the word and encouragement and prayer. And what I mean by this, there is times my children have no clue, but Heidi and I are in prayer for them by name every single day. I don't have to call them up, say, hey, I just prayed for you. No. They need to know that the rhythm of our life when they was in our home is the same rhythm when they're out of the home. And grandfathers and grandmothers, every stage in life, and you know what I'm talking about, it's all very humbling. So I want to leave you with a couple challenges today. They're easy to understand, but they're going to be maybe hard for some of you to take. Challenge number one, would you be willing today to become a DBR, a daily Bible reader? Maybe there's a lot of you here today that have you had a consistency and you read your Bibles. You've been doing it for years. If you're a believer, you, you just keep going. A daily Bible reader. Would you be willing to make that commitment as a challenge that I will read the Bible as a believer, God's love letter to me, I will read the Bible every day. I will strengthen and renew the inner man every day. You make that commitment in your own life and heart. I remember 34 years ago, I was with a group of young folks and, <clears throat> and I challenged them that night to become a DBR. And I made them little buttons, little buttons, and it says DBR on it, Daily Bible Reader. And there's a group of those youth that night that did it. By the way, just this last Thursday, I talked to one of them. His name's Tony. And I said, Tony, by the way, are you still a DBR? He says, absolutely. He says, 34 years, I've never quit reading the Bible every day. Would you be willing to do that? And with that, would you be willing to share him daily? Now I know that I'm, 
Everybody's different. I'm not saying go knock on doors, but I'm saying if you're going to read the Bible daily, especially in your home, then make sure you're trying to share him daily, not only first with your children and your wife, but get involved in a Bible study. Get involved with a men's group. Get involved with something that you're having a daily intake of the word because when the word is in you, you cannot suppress the Holy Spirit. He will leak out. He will come out. And the more you take the word of God in, the more that you're gonna wanna share it because everything in this book is about him. From the Genesis to the Revelation, it's all about him. In fact, call it an H-I-M book. That's what this is. This is a hymn book. This is about Jesus. And if I would ask you to describe him, could you describe him here this morning? Somebody asked you out there in the foyer, what's Jesus mean to you? What would you say? Do you know him well enough? You know what the gospel is. If you're a Christian and you don't know what the gospel is, you're not a Christian. Bare minimum. If you're born again and the Spirit is in you and you know how that happened because of Christ, can you share that? What would you do this evening if somebody knocked on your door and says, I've heard about this Jesus and this Bible Tell me about it. What would you say about the Bible and about Jesus? <clears throat> Did you know that Christ is still available to the tempted and tried? Would you tell them that? Would you tell them that he is still the one that always supplies all of our strength? Would you tell them that he's the one that guides and guards? Would you tell them that he's the one that heals and cleanses? Would you tell them that he's the one that defends and rewards and purifies? Would you tell him as you look into the book that he is the one that is the, the wellspring to all wisdom? Would you tell him that he is the doorway to deliverance? Would you tell him that he is the highway to holiness? Would you tell him that he's the gateway to all godliness and glory? Would you tell him that all of his promises are sure? 3,000 of them. Would you tell him that his light is matchless? His mercies are everlasting. His love never ends. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Would you be willing to tell him about that? He is God. He is irresistible. He is incomprehensible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off your heart. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. He is God, and our Jesus is here all the time. The Pharisees, they couldn't handle him. Herod could not kill him. Pilate found no fault in him. Death couldn't handle him. The grave couldn't hold him. But he is still alive, and the universe today praises him. The Bible is him, and his is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. He's God.
Father, we love you. And we thank you for this series about the Bible. All too often we confess, Father, as point men, we really, we really blow it. And spiritually speaking, Father, there's a lot of us that are in Vietnam right now. And we're outmanned and we're outnumbered and we're outgunned because we lag behind. And Father, we ask for your forgiveness. Put us back on the track. Get us into the body of Christ where we can hear the commander's call every day. Encourage all of us to have a keen awareness without you we're nothing. And we need your Bible and we need your word in our lives and in our hearts every single day. Fathers, we pray for the, Father, we pray for the fathers and the mothers here today. Strengthen them, encourage them, empower them, enrich them, nudge them to just turn to you. And then we thank you, Father, when you do come in and lives are changed and there's healing and there's conviction. And it's all because of you. It's all because of your word. May we rejoice in you today. In Christ's name, amen.